Welcome to the Live Wildly podcast, a space where we explore how to live our wildest expressions while nourishing our hearts. Here, we cover all things motherhood, spirituality, health, wellness, and more. I'm your host, Olivia Ashley, a mama, intuitive, and seeker of a joyful, inspired life. Let's dare to live wildly. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here with you. I never carve out specific time to record these episodes. And so when I'm able to sneak away and find some time to just dig in and share my heart with you, I get so lit up and excited. So I'm happy you're here. Welcome. Here's to another week. And I want to reflect today on my struggles with postpartum anxiety and just anxiety in general, and share a little bit about that, what I've gone through, and how I maintain positivity and find my way through life, even amidst anxiety that can feel ever exhausting and overwhelming. And then I want to share as well about Stone's birth story. We're about four months postpartum and I'm feeling it's ready in time to dive into that experience and share what my pregnancy was like and leading up to his birth and his birth story is really what I want to focus on. All the ups, the downs, the lessons and I find that sharing birth stories is so important that no matter what your story is, you should have the ability to share it and experience it and be heard and respected. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the wonderful, however your story was. And so I just want to say thank you for letting me share this with you and for listening and respecting my story because we all get to choose our path and birth as we know if you've been through it or you know people who've been through it, you never know what it's going to be like or what you get. You can have a birth plan. You can do all the visualizations and preparation, but until you're in that moment going through it and then actually get to the other side, you really are just along for the ride. And your biggest tool is trust. And that is so tricky, especially with our culture who has in society that has stigmatized birth as this fault in your body, as a condition. I mean, you're literally diagnosed with a condition that you need to be treated and overlooked for. And I really have learned that women are much more powerful and much more capable of birth and birthing than we give ourselves credit for that the way media shows birth and the way we talk about birth as being the scary thing that we need to have help with and be watched every moment and distrust ourselves that someone outside of us is going to say this is what I'm seeing and what you need and I want to say that I completely am grateful for the modern medical system and for the ability to save lives and support birthing women when there is an issue 
or when there really is a medical need for intervention and support. And for all the women who choose hospital births and to go that route, I mean, kudos, that's huge. That's what you needed. And I want to honor you in that way. And I need to say that because I have chosen opposite. And that's not to say that my path is any better. All I am saying is we all get to make our choice and we have been told this false narrative that birth is scary and something to be afraid of and fearful of and that our bodies are incapable. If I think I just want to share how powerful we are and we each get to choose what that path looks like. And this is going to be my path. So just as I respect everyone else's, I ask that you respect mine too. Um, and I love that we get to all share these experiences because we all have a very wide range of birth. And it's important that we share our story, that we find a way to be held and heard, even if that's just writing it out for yourself or sharing with a close friend or a, your mother or whomever you feel is trusted and can hold space for you because it allows you to reflect, to feel things that you might not have even realized were there at that moment. And there's tons of great resources. I will link some below uh, that can help you share your birth story. There are groups just for sharing birth stories. I know in Denver, uh, in a few other locations, there's the mama hood. There was birth story circles that you could go and they had a facilitator to help everyone have an open and safe space to share your birth stories. I know there's books that can help you uh, navigate this and always therapy is great. Uh, if you really feel you need some extra help or support or you're struggling, um, again, I'm going to talk about my own anxiety that I have had before ever being pregnant, but also how pregnancy and the hormones have really kicked up my anxiety at times. So just going to put that out there. If you don't want to listen or that's a little uncomfortable for you, you know, you can pause and let that be. But otherwise, I think it's really important that we share this side of pregnancy and birth and that it's a lot. It can be a struggle. It can feel like you don't know who you are and you're like living in someone else's body. I mean, we literally have this being that takes over and we give all our energy and nutrition and selves to it in a way. And so honoring that this path is tricky and it's not one size fits all and we all have different experiences. So yeah, that's my plan for today. And I want to start by sharing a small win. So when I think about my anxiety, it is something that I've really, really struggled with since probably being a teenager. And so I want to start with this backstory and then move towards my win so you understand where I'm coming from and why something that is seemingly very simple is so big for me. And essentially, I started having anxiety when I was in high school. And when I say anxiety, here's what I mean for me, how anxiety and stress kind of really reared their heads. I struggled to really be in front of anyone. I struggled with um, sharing my thoughts, my opinions to other people 
in school, I struggled with interacting with people when I would be invited to outings or birthday parties or trips with even like my bestest of friends, I would start to have this overwhelming dread and fear and stress around leaving the house. You know, that that's probably what it's my biggest root anxiety. Like what triggers it is around leaving where I feel safe, where I feel comfortable in my body, anything that starts to put pressure on me uh, to speak up, leave, go somewhere, do something I've never done, interact with someone I've never done, do something I've never um, experienced and have to figure it out, my anxiety creeps up immensely. And it's debilitating to the point where I will cancel plans, I will hide away, I will avoid the situation completely as much as possible. So in school, it looked like me not raising my hand, me not really interacting with other people, me sitting alone for lunch, uh, not feeling comfortable ever stepping outside of my boundary of comfort. I really was just an observer in high school and I was normal with friends. Like I could interact. I maintain relationships and I could make relationships, but it was this hidden struggle that I just would sit with. And then when I went to college, I'd say it was more of the same. I would choose sitting in and binge watching Netflix over going and seeing friends or going out. Even if it was with people I knew, even if I had like done it before, I would start to panic and feel like I wasn't going to be safe or I didn't know what was going to happen. And so I just couldn't go and I couldn't do it. And also going to college meant that I needed to make my own appointments. I needed to figure out my schedule for classes. I had to figure out like the bus system and these sound so small and trivial, but for me, I never had to do anything uncomfortable before. My mom and dad did everything for me, made all my appointments, took me, said like, you're doing this, you're doing that. And so I really had no autonomy and that created this absolute fear of having to figure anything out or having to talk to someone. So I would be scared to make appointments. I'd be scared to go places. I never had a job before college. I attempted to get many jobs and I should say I never had a job at like an establishment or a company. I babysat. That was what I did all through high school and that got me through. I loved babysitting. It was great. Um, and I had a couple families that I would always do this for. But in college, I actually had to get a job. I mean, my parents were not paying for anything. And so I did finally get an interview. And I remember the day of the interview just saying, I'm not going. I can't do it. Oh my gosh, I have to I have to talk to these people. I don't know what to even say. What are they going to ask me? And thankfully, my roommate was in the room with me and I had told her about this interview. And this is this was rare. Like she was always gone with her boyfriend, but she was there that day and she looked at me and she said, you're going like, I will walk you there if you need me to. But this is important. You need to go. You can do this. And I laugh because it was so strange. Like we hardly knew each other, but she made sure I went and I got there and did the interview. And it is so embarrassing. Oh my gosh. I'm grateful. Only like a handful of people had to witness that, (laughs) but that was so overwhelming. I mean, I was willing to just not have a job, not have money to like figure out some sort of 
of way around this, but I did not want to interview. But I did and I learned and it was really good. And I will say all the times that I've had really bad anxiety, when I go do it, like I feel so much better. It's like a small win and I show myself that I'm capable and it's okay. But I watch my siblings also all struggle with all these same things. So it was definitely something that we just were given from how we were raised. And my parents just wanted to love us and make sure everything was handled and they did it all for us, but it left us all with this crippling anxiety and freakouts about actually having to do things by ourselves. And so moving forward to being pregnant and moving through my pregnancies and specifically, I want to bring up stones because I'm going to share his birth story. I just became a wreck in a way. Everything would stress me out. I would struggle to leave the house and really it was the first trimester. And then it was the very last few weeks of pregnancy, just, you know, it's about to happen and how's it going to happen? And what if something goes wrong? Oh my gosh. Like just stress, anxiety. And then postpartum was really a struggle with the hormonal change till about four months postpartum of just again, dread. I can't leave the house. I don't know how to do anything like night would come and I start crying and I feel overwhelmed and I'm lonely and I'm unsafe. I just felt not okay. And when I reflect, I think a lot of this also stems from when I don't feel well, I have extreme panic. And again, this feeling of dread and that I'm all alone and something terrible is going to happen. And I spiral. Like I, I just start to feel extremely depressed. And I don't say that lightly. Like it's a real shift for me when I'm feeling sick or not well or not like myself, which woo, yay, pregnancy hormones and postpartum hormones. Welcome to the craziest shifts of your life and not feeling well for the most part. And so today to bring you to my win, because I could just continue going on and on with my anxiety. Today, I left the house by myself with the baby and enjoyed it. Like we had a good day. I think I've left maybe three other times with just the baby and I, two times just for appointments. And this does not include like his doctor's appointments. We've been to his doctor's appointments, a few of those, but Steven's always with me. So I don't count that. But today I brought him into Steven's work. And so we got to meet everyone and I got to go eat breakfast and get my favorite coffee. And then we went on my favorite walk downtown out in nature. Like we got to see some birds and the trees and he did so good because I timed it with his naps and he would nap in the car. Oh man, like it's so silly to say that that is such a win, but that is truly a win. And I finally feel that I can do that more often. And oh, it felt amazing. And yet there's still anxiety around leaving. Like I don't plan to go anywhere anytime soon again. And I a hundred percent miss family engagements and other things. I refuse to go just because the stress of 
maneuvering his naps and then crying in the car or, you know, where can I nurse and what if he needs to lay down? And we do mostly contact naps right now. So he needs to be on me. He wants to be quiet. And that works for us uh, for the most part and is what we did with the other kids. And yeah, it's a whole thing. But I forget sometimes that I have this much anxiety because I'm a homebody. I I stay at home. I don't really go places. A lot of my friends have come to me because I'm in this postpartum period and they understand and they respect that if they want to see me, like, please come over, please help. And that's been so amazing. Um, And I do eventually get out of this when the kids usually around like a year old, 18 months, I don't mind leaving them. I'm able to go and take them places with way less anxiety, but it is a struggle. So that was my win. Long story short, I just feel really good and proud of myself because I didn't have anxiety. I didn't have the stress that I usually did. I just woke up and I said, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to make it happen. Let's do it. So anxiety can feel really big and really scary, especially if it's new to you or if there's something that is going on in your life that is extra stressful and really setting you up to feel more heightened panic and worries and discontent. And I want to give you some tips and possible solutions to help you with your anxiety based on what I've done. And While I am giving no medical advice, please see a doctor, please talk to someone, a medical professional, if you are really struggling with anxiety. But I'm going to share just a few tips of my own that helped me along the way to wrangle in my anxiety, to be able to feel that I can tackle the day, move forward, be positive, feel good, even when my anxiety wants to rear its head and try to be a monster. And so some of these tips that I'm going to share are first and foremost, talking about it. And I know this can feel really uncomfortable because if you're already anxious, it can feel like you don't want to unload on anyone else or you're worried that you'll be a burden. At least that's how I have felt. And yet I have found that when I am able to open up to Stephen, to close friends, to even my mom and talk about like, this is what anxiety is for me. And this is what is really bothering me right now, or here are my fears and here are my worries. It helps to get one things off your chest and just feel that release and hearing you say them can sometimes make you feel better. Um, And then second, and probably more importantly, it helps give this reflection point back at you where if, especially if it's someone you trust and they love you and they understand where you're coming from and that this is something big for you, they can look at you and kind of talk you down from that ledge that you're feeling and reflect and say, you know, I hear this. But remember, here's the good things too, and here's how you're safe, and here's how you're, you are okay. And if this still is too much, then okay, let's make a new plan. Um, but it has helped immensely to be able to voice my anxiety with others. And so that would be probably my biggest tip is to, whether it's through therapy, a friend, a medical professional, just start talking about it as much as is comfortable for you. 
My other tips would be meditation and breathing, just even if it's box breathing, which is inhale four, you can either hold to four, but I'd say if you're really in that anxious moment, I'd say inhale to four or six counts and then exhale four to eight counts. That extra exhalation helps your body come back into a more relaxed state and feel that, oh, I'm not threatened. That like lengthened exhale will really help to calm your nervous system. So keeping it really simple. And by meditation, I think sometimes even I can be turned off by that word, but in all reality, just quieting, set your phone down, turn the lights off, remove any noise from your space and just stop. And that can be a really helpful tool just to find stillness and connect with your body. And I would say if you're going to do a meditation, don't just expect to, oh my gosh, all my thoughts are gone to just completely turn off and I'm going to have this bliss experience. It might help to Bring your awareness and your focus to your body, to the sensations going on in your body, to your energy, how you're feeling. Notice your feet on the ground. Notice your hands touching the tops of your thighs. Notice your shoulders as they relax. Give yourself some reference points because then it takes away your mind and your focal point from whatever you're anxious about and it brings it back to center and it brings you back into your body. My other, another tip I would give would be move your body, get outside, get some fresh air, or just get up, change of space, change of scenery, get your body flowing, put some music on, dance around, take your dog for a walk, just walk by yourself. Um, Just do something that again, it helps you come back into your body, but it also is going to help you ground by doing that action of movement. And it's going to shift those anxious thoughts right out of you. It's not going to solve them. But again, these are tips to help you be able to step back enough from those anxious feelings to say, wait, I can still hear those, but I am safe, but I'm okay. And now I can tackle whatever it is that's coming up for me with a clear mind and a better point of reference. Because when we're in that anxious space, our mental thinking has taken over, our fear has taken over. I really see a connection between fear and anxiety. I mean, just start to check in with what is making you anxious and what's underneath that. Like, why is it? What is that root feelings that are coming up that are then setting you into this anxious spiral? Another tip that I was given while I was pregnant was Dr. Box Rescue Remedy. I take the stress relief droppers and this is a flower essence and I really have found that just the act of taking it soothes me. Like it's like okay I just did something for myself that I know is going to help me like it says stress relief on the bottle and so even if it's the placebo effect it makes me feel better. So I will link that below as well. And those would be right now, when I think through that, those are some of my best tips for you. And I hope that they're helpful. Again, I'm not a medical professional. This is not to tell you to do any of this. This is just me giving you some tips. Take them or leave them, utilize them or not, but please consult with someone no matter what you decide to do and do what's best for you. I hope that's helpful though, because you're not alone. I think that's the biggest thing. You are not alone. You can conquer that fear 
and don't push it, but also know that you are strong and empowered and really you can get to a place where anxiety is not ruling your life. I think that's the biggest thing for me is I'm not sure if I'll ever be rid of anxiety. However, I can find tools and ways to better live with it. So this brings me to Stone's pregnancy and my birth story, which I'm so happy to be sharing. Stone's pregnancy overall was pretty uneventful. Like it was similar to my other two pregnancies in the sense that it went relatively normal in what I have expected from pregnancy, how I usually feel. My first trimester and the last month or so pregnancies are always the hardest for me. That first trimester is physical, like physical and emotional struggles, especially just feeling nauseous and sick. Um, I don't usually throw up, but I have very strong food aversions and I have a really, really hard time having any type of energy. And I already had two little ones running around that I needed to be on for and working full time. So my bandwidth was pretty strapped at that point. And then once I get towards that very end of pregnancy before I give birth, it's my mental game that starts to creep up. And it's dealing with that of when's it going to happen. And uh, like I've always gone past my due date. So it's probably what I meant, what's going to happen. But ooh, who knows, you know, you hit that 38 week mark and it could happen. And otherwise, the biggest shift in this pregnancy for me well, there was two things. Physically, Stone presented breach up until 34 weeks pregnant, and he was finally flipped thanks to this beautiful acupuncturist. Her name is Cecily, and her business, who she has with a few other partners, is Fertile Grounds, and I'll link her website below. She's an acupuncturist that specializes in pregnancy and postpartum and infertility and helping couples um, with their pregnancy and postpartum journey. And so she had an acupuncture treatment that was specifically to help the baby turn into the right position. And what she stated was that it will happen in that moment of the session. And from her many years of doing this, she has found it was in the 80 percentage, it was a little more than that, rate of it flipping. And so I had a lot of anxiety going into that appointment because nearing 36 weeks, I was 34 when I had the appointment, I would have had to transfer care because in Colorado and really I think most of the U.S., most places will not allow you to birth vaginally a breech birth. It is named as a medical emergency of sorts. There's just can be higher risks with it. And yet I have to advocate that there are a lot of great resources and people doing amazing, empowering teachings around safe vaginal breech births. So if you're in a breech position, totally start Googling, look for people who are going to be your advocate. But it started to make me really concerned because I was being told, you know, you have two more weeks and you got to transfer and then you're going to get a C-section if he doesn't flip. Like it was just very cut and dry. And so that brought a bit of anxiety for me. The other piece of anxiety that, gotta love that word, anxiety, man. But the other piece for me with this one was that 
before getting pregnant with Stone, we actually had a pregnancy that we miscarried at nine and a half weeks in October of 2021. And we were pregnant with Stone in December 2021. So very soon after, found out I was pregnant in January 2022. But that was very hard, very scary. I never felt necessarily anger at my body. It was hard in the moment going through that, but I did feel a bit of distrust in my body that I really didn't know what was going on under the surface. That's something with pregnancy that every mom has to give that trust completely up to their body and to the divine. And you hope for the best, but you can't see under your skin. You can't see what's going on in your womb space. You can feel and you can intuit that something might not be right. And I definitely had some of those signs with that one, with that pregnancy we lost, but it brought forward this fear of loss again. And then with my father's diagnosis right at that same timing at the new year of 2022, it heightened my sense of grief, of fear, of feeling like I just am completely out of control in all of these circumstances. And the scariest part for me that and how that came forward was every time I would use the restroom, I would check to see if I was bleeding when I was pregnant with stone. I was constantly worried that it would just be the end. And for any mamas who have gone through a loss, my heart is with you. It is one of the hardest things. All of our paths are different. And it is just the hardest, most earth-shattering, life-changing event you can go through. And it was really hard. And I got to witness how much we struggle here in our society with talking about it, with making space for it. It feels like it's very taboo to talk about. I've been very open about my experience because I feel that there are so many other people that have probably gone through it. Like we know that, that we know the statistics. It's actually way more common than any of us want to believe, but we need to support one another. And if you don't want to talk about your experience, that's okay. You don't have to, you never have to, but I do want to shed light on this as being a normal part of parenthood, of motherhood, of fatherhood, of life loss. It's hard. It's tricky. It confronts you with the deepest, darkest places of yourself. You never know how you're going to act. And the grief is long lasting. So that came forward into my pregnancy. And once I lost my father, I started to link his death with fear around losing stone. And I knew it was irrational. Everything in me told me, this baby's going to come. He's going to be safe. I had very good feelings about it. He always checked out like strong, healthy baby measuring on track, but it was really hard to shake. And those were the biggest pieces when I reflect back to the pregnancy that stand out. I was grateful to be pregnant while going through my father's loss, both in the sense of 
being able to see my father in the hospital, go through everything we went through with him. I could leave when I needed to. I could visit him as much as I wanted to. I didn't have to worry about a newborn at home. My sister actually was in that position of exactly that spot. She had a baby, um, a little boy in March of this last year too. And so she was navigating new motherhood, postpartum, and then juggling everything that came with that. So she is a goddess. I'm so impressed with her. But I was able to grow this baby in my belly and be there for my father. And so it wasn't until my father passed and we got through his funeral that I started to really settle into the idea that I'm having a baby. Like a baby is coming. I am four to six weeks away from having a baby in my arms and going through that transition. And it was wild. I started really preparing at work to have my leave and um, had to do a lot of emotional releasing, a lot of grief work, moving through the grief of losing my father in preparation to shift gears and welcome this baby. So overall, it was a healthy pregnancy. I am so grateful. It just was such a different space and experience because of what was going on in my life um, before and after. And that brings me to his birthday. And it was a Sunday and we woke up like every morning. My husband, Stephen, works on the weekend. So it was just me and my two other kiddos. And I, I remember standing in the kitchen making pancakes and my mom called and I told her, you know, I feel different. Something's different about today. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I think something's happening. And she believed me. She said, why don't you stay home? Just take it easy. See what happens. And I very much was, no, no, no. I don't want to just wait and see. We have plans today. We had already planned to have the two bigger kids go to a sleepover at Stephen's parents' house. They live pretty close to us. So I knew I was going to drop them off and I wanted to take them to the park first and just get some time outside with them. So I hung up with her and like got through breakfast. We got in the car, went to the park. And at the park, I started to have some cramping. And I knew that that was unusual because I was having Braxton Hicks for at least a couple weeks. I think I had them way more during this pregnancy than any others, but more consistently a couple weeks before. And I could tell that I was like in early labor for a couple weeks. I really think my body does a lot of the hard work slowly, gradually, not very painfully the few weeks before actually birthing because there was times where I'd think, is something happening? This is different. I'm cramping or I just feel weird. And yet when I actually started cramping, it was that moment of, Ooh, I think this might be it. This is different. And so it's like period like cramping for me. And I usually have quite a bit of back labor, but I carried stone really differently. He was very far forward for me. My other babies seemed to expand horizontally the width of my body and he just was straight out and forward and he never really dropped so I carried pretty big and at the park they were probably 20-25 minutes apart they were getting somewhat consistent but 
I just, again, hung in there, enjoy the day. I don't want to start thinking about time yet because that was a fear of mine going into it. I really didn't want to birth at night. Something about the dark, it really freaks me out sometimes and it feels like everything starts closing in on me. And when I'm in pain or if I'm sick, I feel awful at nighttime. I start to have really um, dark thoughts around dread and depression and isolation and I'm alone and I'm going to be alone forever. So I really wanted to avoid that. And yet, you know, I'm foreshadowing a little like what did the universe give me? (laughs) You can guess. But at the time, I thought we have so much time and my labor goes so fast. Typically, Uh, my second was three and a half hours. So it'll be fine. Um, I just had to be really aware of time because our drive to where we were birthing was 45 minutes away. And so we left the park and we brought him over to Steven's parents and we had lunch there. And I told his mom a little bit what was going on. And I said, but you know, nothing else has happened. I'm just contracting a little bit and it's not consistent. We'll see. And I went to the bathroom and I had my bloody show. And so if you have ever been pregnant or are pregnant or plan to get pregnant, this is the big sign. I mean, you can lose it and you can have this earlier uh, before it's actually time. It's essentially you're losing your cervix is losing its mucus plug. Yay bodies. And it starts to thin. It's thinning out your cervix so you can make way for the baby. And so you start to have some blood and stuff come out. And with my other two pregnancies, that was my big indicator. Like I didn't have that happen till it was really, it was the real deal. So that gave me some hope and excitement and also fear. Is this, is this real? Is it happening? Uh, and so I told her and I said, I, I you know, I, I need to leave. And it was really hard. I didn't want to leave the kiddos. I remember feeling really nervous. It's just been the four of us. Oh, it's about to change. And how's this going to go? And are they going to be okay? And of course, they don't know any wiser. They love their grandparents and they just wanted to play. So I left and I texted Steven, you know, it's not time, but I'm going home. This is what's happening. And then I started driving and I had this big emotional flood come up of just tears and nervousness and worries. And also it was just not happening how my other two labors had gone. Like my other two labors were very consistent, like a steady build or quick build. And then you go to the birth center and it's the real deal. Uh, So the fact that it was staggering in the length of time between contractions and then the intensity was confusing me some. I didn't expect it. And I had heard of prodromal, I'm not sure how to say that word, labor, where it's like pretend labor. Your body's doing, like acting like it's in labor and it's very painful, but it's not actually making progress. So I started to have worries that that might be it. But the fact that I had my bloody show, I was, you know, getting pretty excited. And I got home and within probably two to five minutes of walking in the door, Stephen walked in the door. And he was ready to go. Like, it's happening. Let's do this. I'm excited. Are you okay? Let me go get everything. And I had to talk him down and say, you know, I haven't even talked to the midwife. It's not super consistent. I just want to sit here. I'm going to make some food. I want to watch some Gilmore Girls and just relax. But probably within 45 minutes, he was pressing me to text the midwife line, let them know what was happening. And they agreed with Stephen that 
with my past history of quick labors, they wanted me to head towards them. They were, again, a 45, 55-minute drive. So just come down and be in the vicinity, and we'll see what happens. So I reluctantly did that, and looking back, I do wish I would have listened to my gut and not felt so pressured to get going because I knew I was not yet close. This was probably around 2.30, 3 o'clock that we headed down towards the birth center. And we stopped and got food for Steven. At that time, they were very intense. My contractions were getting closer together. I was probably five to eight minutes apart and the intensity was there. So I texted the midwives thinking I was excited maybe. And they just said, hang out, not time yet keep us updated. And that was defeating. I felt really sad about that. And the thing to know with this birth center and with really all birth centers is they want you to do most of your active laboring at home. They want you to come in when they're two to three minutes apart and very intense. Like you're keeled over, you can barely walk. You're here, let's go. It's go time. Um, And that's okay. But the only thing with that, especially this time around, was I just had a lot of fear around the drive, around how quick could it go? What's it going to be like? Fear of losing him. What if something goes wrong? And I did express that and it was frustrating. I feel with this birth center, I was not as held in the way that I was in the, with the other two pregnancies and not necessarily to their fault, but I did not listen to my gut when I felt that I should change birth centers or change care. And so I just really didn't enjoy my experience. Not necessarily that they did anything wrong. This is not on them. I think I love birth centers. I love what they stand for, everything that they do. But there was a lot more midwives, a lot less level of intimacy, much more transactional feeling and that didn't really jive with me and I felt that all throughout but with everything going on in my life I just sucked it up and said I can't have my home birth because of financial reasons so I just have to do it like I'm already set up they take my insurance whatever yeah guys listen to your gut that's all I'll say about that experience just listen to your gut okay so Stephen ate And then we went to a park and we started to walk laps around this park and it's getting later and I'm starting to feel a little panicky. I'm not getting any closer contractions. They're pretty consistent between three to eight minutes, sometimes a 12 minute one and sometimes really intense, sometimes not intense, but I still feel pretty normal. I can tell my body is doing stuff, but it's not ramping up the way I would expect. So I'm getting emotional Steven says, do you want to go home? Do you want to go to a movie? What should we do? And I couldn't really decide. I was getting pretty angsty and anger was arising and I was struggling to make decisions. And so he drove us over to a parking garage right next to the birth center. And I just got out. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I got out and paced and I started to just cry. Started to feel like my body was again betraying me. What is happening? Why isn't this just going the way I expected it to? Your mental mind, man, is such a tricky game. <laughs> Reflecting on that, that was my biggest, not enemy, but enemy, really. It was my own worst enemy for this labor. And I just remember walking over to the edge where the sun was peering through and I, it's starting to set at this time and just asking for a sign 
asking my dad to come forward. Am I okay? Is things okay? And I felt like a resounding, yes, you're safe. This is happening. Give it time. Just breathe. And I look over to my left and there's this big pile of construction equipment and the company name on it is Stone and something's company. I can't remember because the only thing I saw was Stone. And with Stone, this was a really beautiful, cherished name that we chose in the sense that this was the first time I asked the baby when I was pregnant to show me what they would like to be named. And a slew of synchronistic happenings came forward. The name Stone came forward and I trusted and I listened. And so just to see that name in that moment, knowing that that was what we were going to name him, just oh, let me settle. So I walked over to Steven and I apologized and I said, this is what's happening. I'm sorry I'm being confrontational, angry, upset. I'm just feeling overwhelmed. It's getting dark. I want this to happen or not happen. I'd rather just go home. I was really feeling like I needed to be in a safe held space and just home was where that was. Text the midwife and they finally agreed to come and check me and see what was happening And so she met us and she let us relax for about 20 minutes. But again, they were very, they just said, don't get your bags. You're not coming in. We just need to see what's going on. And then we'll make the decision and we'll let you know. It just felt odd. I, again, it just was that I don't feel comfortable. I don't really want to birth here, but I want a birth team. So here I am. And she talked to me. And said, you're three, about four centimeters dilated. So we're sending you home. And my husband's jaw dropped. And he looked at her and said, are you serious? She's been laboring. You know, it can turn very fast. You're going to send us home. Yeah, this doesn't, you know, she doesn't seem like she's in active labor. Uh, Just go home or go to a hotel, do whatever. And I just ignored her and looked at Steven and said, take me home. I want to go home. I want to take a shower. I want to watch a movie, eat some food. I just, I need to go home. And that was the catalyst that started it all. (laughs) So we get in the car and probably 15 minutes on our way out of town, heading back home, my contractions start picking up, but I don't say anything because I just had like six hours of, is this happening? Is this not pretty light contractions, some intense to now I'm having contractions that are consistently three to four minutes apart. And the midwife did say, you know, if it picks up, call us, you can come back, just let us know. But I was stubborn at this point. I am angry. I am sweaty. I am gross. I just want to get to my house and I want to shower. So I didn't say anything. We get home. I immediately like make it up barely to the shower. I am now contracting every one to two minutes and I can tell he's descending. This is happening. And there is a moment where I thought, if I don't say anything, I think I could just have this baby in the shower. I think I could just do this. And part of me really wanted to do that. I was ready. Like I truly was ready to do that. But Stephen came in and watched me and he, he said, you need to text him right now. This is no, like you are contracting so quickly. You are not having a baby here. I'm not doing this. Text them. And they said, immediately get in the car come back now. So Steven grabs all her stuff. I braid my hair. I get dressed. I'm still in denial because I don't want to leave. 
And I'm in denial for how long it had taken to get to this point that I still didn't believe it was real, but it was real. I am starting to moan. I'm starting to feel pressure. We should have gotten the car sooner. And so I told the midwife that and she calls me and she says, call me if you start feeling the need to push. You're getting close just with how you're sounding with your body. You're very close. And I just, I couldn't even talk at that point. And I'm telling Steven drive guys, this is 45, 55 minute drive. Steven starts hauling. I am grateful that all of the roads we have to take are back roads because it is pitch black and we have to get there. And to give you a timeline, I was checked and we were sent home at 7.15, 7.20 PM. And it's probably 8.30 when we leave the house, maybe 8.45 PM. And I am very quickly telling Steven that my body wants to push. I've gone from being able to talk between contractions, like this is intense, I'm feeling pressure, to I am withholding this baby. This baby wants to come and he wants to come now. And I just remember moaning, Steven, <laughs> like just go. It's like, I can't have a car, baby. We literally talked back and forth. We bounced back. We're going to make it. We're going to have the baby at the birth center. We're not having a car, baby. We're not having a car, baby. I mean, we hit lights, we hit everything. And Steven didn't want to run them because he was nervous. Someone would call us in or we would get pulled over. And then we were done for, we were having a car, baby. Um, so Steven pedaled to the metal. I am completely out of my mind super intense, can't breathe, can't talk. I text them that we are about to pull in. Like we're still a couple blocks away and they're like, okay, we're here. We'll be ready. They come out with a wheelchair. I stand and I can't move because I'm in such deep contraction. Once it passes, I sit down like barely. I'm holding myself up on the sides of this wheelchair, but I could not walk. I was not going to make it in if they're if they were not wheeling me in at this point. And as soon as I get in the room and like the con- next contraction fades, I just strip. I mean, I just like immediately all my clothes are off. I am naked. And they only had just gotten there maybe a couple minutes before because a bathtub had five inches of water. I mean, barely any water, but that's where I was going. I mean, thankfully they just did that. I didn't have to say anything. I'm so grateful that they at least started filling it because I didn't even look at them. There was a midwife and the nurse and my husband, and I crawled into that bathtub on all fours and I just started bearing down. This baby was coming out before I always had time to be in the bathtub, to move around. Steven usually was in the tub with me and no one, nothing was happening. I had my one hand on the bathtub and I will totally share this picture. (laughs) It's so beautiful. There was two pictures that Steven snapped, one with me on all fours in the bathtub and then to the second holding our baby. I at least have a bra on, so some decency is there. And I kid you not, within five minutes, probably less than five minutes, I was holding Stone. He was out and he was 
full cheese, full vernix covered, like more than I'd ever seen. And his color was weird. We definitely had a moment of panic where Steve and I looked at each other. He's not really breathing. He looks very weird, but he thankfully, like we rubbed him and moved him around and then he started. And so it just took some time, but he was ash colored and neither of our babies had come out that way. It just, it seemed like it took a while, a little bit longer for his oxygen to get going and moving. But I held him. And as soon as I had that baby in my arms, Stephen looked at the midwife and goes, was that close enough for you? Did we make it in time? And just full sarcasm, Stephen was livid. Like I just put him through an insane amount of stress with what we just went through. And I feel for him, like I probably should not have had him take us home. I should have told him like on our way home to turn around. They're getting intense. Let's not do this. But I I also feel it was important for me to come home to have that moment of reprieve, of safety, of release, because it kickstarted everything. And so really my intense labor was maybe an hour and a half long. It went very quickly. And what we learned why my labor was being so strange is Stone came out with a nuchal hand. So he was descending through the birth canal with his, I think it was his right hand up against his face. So his hand and palm was pressed against his cheek. And then his little arm was tucked up against his body. And I pushed him out that way. But the midwife said that can cause sporadic labor starts and stops. It can also lead to C-section. Some people have, they'll get stuck and it can be an emergency. Grateful that my nine pound, three ounce baby in my body just got him out, got him here safely. But it gave us an understanding of why my body was being so strange and my labor was not acting as consistently as my others had. So he got here. I just felt so empowered. I mean, I just did that myself. I totally could have done that at home. But again, I was glad. That's why we use birth centers. That's why we've chosen them. We want someone there to just make sure we're safe. That is what I come down to. I don't, I could do it at home. I could do it at a birth center. I could probably do it at a hospital. But I need to feel safe. And knowing that I can do it myself, though, is such an empowering moment. So while my husband was livid, and just barely talked to them the rest of the night, just made little remarks to really put it in their place of, I can't believe you just did that to us. We told you she's in labor and you sent us home and we barely made it. And they made a joke because apparently the couple they had last for their last birth actually had a car baby. So they said to us, oh, we're really glad you actually didn't have it in the car because I think they would have started looking at us like, is it you, is it us? that has the problem or like what is going on and it's totally them it was very frustrating so at the moment I was just focused on the fact that baby's here I did it he's healthy I'm healthy I'm doing okay and in love in that moment so we laid in bed and binged watch some office because you're just wide awake and we had him let me close that time gap for you. I texted him at 9-11 that we were on our way in. I had him at 9-20. So we had about 10 minutes to make it and get that baby there. 
and I had to, no joke, hold him inside of me. My body wanted to push so bad the whole last section of that drive, and I refused. I was not going to have a car baby. I did not feel comfortable doing that. So we made it. We were healthy. We were safe. And we had our beautiful stone. We stayed there till 2 a.m. And then we drove home exhausted and stressed, but excited and happy. And then Stephen got really sick for about a week after, like just head cold, sinus stuff. And it really, truly was a release of stress. He had been really stressed out. He didn't tell me this because he didn't want to stress me out at the time. But he told me once baby was here, I've been so worried how this was going to play out, what was going to happen. And that dude made one, two, three, four. So we drove that route between our house and the birth center four times in like a span of six hours. It was a lot. It was just so much. Uh Thankfully, I felt pretty good and awesome and we got home and the kids came, the bigger kids came over a couple hours later and got to meet their new baby brother. And so in the moment, and even now, I feel so grateful for my body. It did what it needed to do. Again, you don't know in the moment though, and not having that control can be so tricky, but it handled what it needed to do. It knew it is much wiser than my mind. It is much wiser than anything I could have thought or wanted to have forced it. And that I think is one of the most beautiful things about labor and birth is your body is in full control. And oftentimes it is miraculous and does exactly what it needs to do. And it's beautiful and amazing. But there's also a lot of things that come up that you just don't know and you can't expect. And so being able to trust however your labor goes, however your birth goes, that that was just how it was going to go. It is out of our hands. We had no more say in the matter. We did everything we could up to that point and we had to accept and trust. I want to thank you so much for listening to this birth story, for letting me share this beautiful, vulnerable experience with you all. It was a whirlwind and I'm still in shock that it happened. How am I four months postpartum? And I hope that you have a chance to share your birth story and get to honor your path and your journey, however that looks for you if you have a birth story to share, but otherwise just bask in the magic of birth and labor and mamas. We are doing our best. We are amazing humans. We create life from our bodies. We just honor ourselves. And I bow to all you women out there for everything we do day in and day out for all that we are we need to just stand in reverence of ourselves and give ourselves some grace. So if you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love you to write and review below. It really helps bring new listeners to us to bring us forward. And also you can find me on Instagram at livewildlypodcast or wildlyolivia and at my website, which I've linked below. So subscribe, rate and review. I'd love to hear what you think so far. I'm so grateful that you're here and I'll see you next week. Bye.